This is the Barbarian Rhetoric Podcast. Acta non verba. Ladies and gentlemen, because there are only two genders, this is the very first chat edition of the Barbaric Barbarian Rhetoric. I've already fucked it up. Barbarian Rhetoric Podcast. We're all fired up. And today I'm going to be uh, co-hosting with Steel Jans, and I have... We have a few of our friends with us. We did some articles for Barbarian Rhetoric uh, back in starting in March with a theme of when the strong take over the weak. So we're going to be expanding on that a little bit, and then we'll be going into current events. So I'm going to let everyone go around and introduce themselves and say who they are and whatever the hell else they want to say. Anytime now. Anytime. I got it. <laughs> this is Nathan Steele Jans, uh, owner of Barbarian Rhetoric, and all these great writers with us today. Uh, I'm going to pass it over to Anthony. Anthony, you called someone after that. All right. My name is Anthony. I'm the creator of the Polite Savage blog and a up-and-coming project called PeacefulFathers.com. Excited to be here and talk with you men. And uh, Joseph, you're up next. Which one? You. <laughs> you. <laughs> we call him Joe. So. Uh, Joseph Smith. I write under the name Padre. Um, I bring the spiritual religious aspect to all this uh, to everybody. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it about me. So I'm going to go to the other Joseph from here. Uh, my name is Joe Shoemaker. I write under J.M. Shoemaker. Uh, I run an Instagram, Cigarette of Valhalla. I also... Uh, have Sega at a Valhalla menswear. I guess I would probably be the pagan of the bunch, I, I imagine. <laughs> nice. And I'm Scott Barker. Um, I write under uh, at Gilead Bays on uh, Twitter and Instagram. And uh, I come at it from the, the standpoint of process and procedure and scheduling and, uh, and topics like that. Uh, from more of a professional standpoint. So really excited to get to, to talk about uh, all of our articles with all the, the high-quality gentlemen on the stream today. So this is going to be fun. I agree. And back to, yes, when the strong take from the weak, and if, if anyone's watching the news, and unfortunately we unhealthily do this, there's a lot of that going on right now. And going both ways of what people view and things are going back and forth. So. Even back in March when I was thinking about this theme, it was around Christmas when it really came to my mind to set it up for March. So that was before all this crazy happened. So it's interesting that we wrote all that stuff, March happened, and now we're here. It's Things are starting to loosen up on lockdown and then turn into all the other crazy and idiocracy, which I will probably say idiocracy way too many times, but that's how I view a lot of the stuff going on right now. So this is all your fault, Nathan. It could be. It, it very, yeah. Um, when great minds come together, though, you never know what's going to happen. So, <laughs> <laughs> is that is that what this word "great minds" is? That what this is? That's what this is. Great minds think alike, <laughs> and we're putting it all into one podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's still up for debate right now. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> 
So um, let's start with the peaceful side of things. I'm going through some of the posts and going things. That goes to Anthony. He took an interesting viewpoint on this. Um, and he, on the start of your article, you started it off with, if you're truly strong, will you abuse that power to prey upon the weak? Expound on that a little bit. Some of the viewpoints. I have some thoughts on that. And, and we'll go around. And if you guys got something, either in a pause or throw the hand up and we'll get it going. All right. So when you first approached me with it, uh, you know, my viewpoints are definitely always on a, a different aspect from most. Um, I tend to overthink and complicate things. So be patient. But you gave me a couple of examples of, of people using their power um, over others, right, to use violence. And <clears throat> a lot of what I wrote about, it pertains to my thoughts on when you are a strong man, you don't necessarily care about the weak. Um, and I don't mean helping the weak, but if they're a threat to you. So as strong men, I don't think it's ever really going to be uh, useful to uh, bring violence on anybody else. And what it makes me think about is how we have a, a overbearing and large government right now that they're the ones who are basically using violence to control people. They are the ones who are able to have the weak, and we were talking about this a little bit before, we almost got into it, but the people who are weak in society, those people can now vote and elect people who have power, and they're the ones who are pretty much putting it on, <clears throat> on men, on the men who are trying to survive, trying to do the right thing, and trying to be strong. So, you know, I said that um, a free man is, is not encouraged to think nowadays. He's encouraged to, well, he's actually forced to follow beliefs that are imposed by the government, by the states. So it's kind of my thoughts on it. Um, I don't think it's ever right to use violence, um, except in so, um, self-defense. So I know me and Nathan have spoken about this before. So I think in self-defense, there's definitely a purpose, there's definitely a need to protect your life, to protect your property, and to protect your rights. Yes, it's pretty interesting with some of the things that are, you know, if we want to broach into current events right now, you know, with everything that's happened with lockdown, um, there's a there's a long quote, if any of you guys are uh, Ayn Rand fans, where she talks about having to have permission from the government to produce anything or to actually do business. And you know, for the last three months now, or however long we've been in this mess, um, things have kind of taken a turn for in a very, what I consider a dark and a dangerous direction from a, a government standpoint, where it, it really is, you have to have permission to come out of your house. You have to have permission from the government to do business. And it, it's a little scary um, just based on everything that's happening. You know, you, you saw the, the lady in Texas who wanted to open her, um, uh, her styling salon and, you know, the judge made her, you know, Hey, I, you know, I'll drop the charges if you apologize, you know, if you beg before power. Right. And she, you know, being a Texan, she said, no, 
Um, but it's just a, you know, the, the current events are, are very scary. And, and it, I think it, it, it comes back to some of the, the points that, that Anthony just brought up, you know, with being with the government overreach and, and, and not being able to produce and actually being prevented from producing by the government. Well, see, I, I, I was less surprised. I mean, our government has been overreaching for a long time. So, you know, that is less surprising to me. I mean, um, because what is it? Uh, absolute power corrupts and how, how does power corrupts absolutely and absolute power corrupts absolutely or something to that effect. But what was surprising to me was just how uh, quickly everybody just took it. I mean, they were just like, yeah, okay. You know, there was no, there was no, hey, pack that in your ass. We're not doing that. It was just like, yeah, okay, that's probably what we should do. I mean, it was just like the narrative was fed to them and they just ate it up. And then they turned it into if um, you buck the system, if you were like, hey, look, you're putting me out of business. I'm trying to support my family. You know, whatever the situation was, then you were the selfish one. You were putting everyone in danger. So you were selfish. <clears throat> that was, um, really what was the most amazing part to me. I, I just couldn't believe that, especially as Americans, given Americans history, that they didn't just go, Hey, you know what? Blow me. I don't think so. You know, but they just rolled over and took it. It was just amazing to me. So that's I just my observation. So <laughs> I, I was having this same discussion with my wife earlier today, and it's the concept that two things can be true at once. Um, yeah, when the whole thing started and they were going off of models and they didn't know what the virus was going to be. And it was supposed to be, you know, extremely virulent and very, um, uh, very contagious, right? We need to flatten the curve to make sure the medical system doesn't get overrun. That all made sense. Right. But then when you got a month into it and, you know, it turned out not to be as virulent, not quite as deadly. You know, mm -hmm. if you look at my state in Virginia, right, it, it's 70% of the cases are in nursing homes or very right. tightly packed um, population centers, right? It's like, okay, so it's not what we thought it was, but the government kept doubling down. Yep. And it went from, okay, we've got to flatten the curve to, well, we're flat now, but you still can't come out and you got to ask for permission and all the other things, right? It's like the, they, the, to the plot, the original plot in the story lost back at at the end of march or early april and now it's a whole nother story and mm. to look at the riots and the and the um uh the, the protests right all the governments are coming out or a lot of the, the the governments the cities like new york and and la are saying well in order to to um uh, to, to let these people um protest for you know, equal rights and whatnot it's okay that they come out, but you still can't go to church, right? It's like, well, okay, the virus doesn't care if you're protesting for equal rights or you're going to church. So right. which is right. Well, see, down here they now I don't know if they did this everywhere, but they didn't let the seniors graduate down here. They weren't gonna let them walk. And that's what somebody had wrote on their Facebook or something like, Well, maybe we could all walk at Home Depot or Walmart or Menards because apparently nobody catches the virus there. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, senior, <laughs> seniors walked in Mississippi this year. Did they? The virus yeah, is very smart. Which you know, right. <laughs> which I'm lucky. I, I've seen so many horror stories all over Twitter and and in blog articles and news articles about what everybody's dealing with. I live in Mississippi. 
And our governor never issued a stay-at-home order. He issued what he called a safer-at-home order. So it was basically a, here's a suggestion of, you know, what you can do if you want to do it. So while they did shut down things like uh, salons, anything that was real close and personal, um, churches was left to local governments as to what it was going to do. Uh, the county I'm in, the Board of Commissioners got together, talked about it, and never even voted on it. So churches stayed you know, going to service on Sundays. Right. So I think a lot of the response is a lot of, for lack of better terms, programming in the part of the country that you're in. Yes. Like, Scott, you're in Virginia. Um, I went to Liberty University up in Virginia. And the, oh, nice. as as liberal as that state has turned in the last six, eight years has been amazing to me. And yeah, I think our, that's just the narrative we're seeing. Our gut, well, so first to your point um, of programming, I also think it's a little bit of one-upsmanship among some of the governors and mayors of the, of the, the cities and, and the states, right? It's like, well, this governor did this, so I'm going to do a little bit more, you know, and you can see it echoed um, across the, the more, you know, the more liberal states or the more the states that are run by you know, more liberal government, right? You can kind of see them trying to pile on and, and, uh, and kind of one up each other. But, um, you know, what you were, uh, our governor just last week mandated masks. It's like, we're three months into this thing, you know, and now you decide to mandate masks. Aren't you a little behind? Right. Now, and this segues into what, I'm, I'm going to pull off of Jason's article because I think this ties into what we're talking here. Uh, and one of its that lines is, we are lacking strong men. Not only that, strength and masculinity are not only frowned upon in today's, uh, today's society, but are attributed to being toxic, when in reality, strong masculine men are paramount to the survival of society. And what we're describing in the breakdowns and the rolling over I think that's where you started it off, Scott. A lot of us at the beginning said, okay, we'll give it the two weeks, the 15 days, whatever. We'll see what happens and everything. And then after that, all the other crap started going up and all the strong men. You, you, I made a comment on Twitter not uh, too long ago, don't wake a hibernating bear. And I think that's where we're at now is we're starting to wake up the hibernating bear. And it's not quite awake yet, but it's coming. And these riots, I think, are going to end up backfiring because not only are you seeing all the crazy that they're doing, you're seeing good, strong Americans go, hey, my buddy's shop's going to get torn up. Yeah, I got guns. I'll come stand out there with you. Full well knowing if the riots come, we're looking for a show of force. At the end of the day, that's all we want is a show of force. Say, if you break in here, we're ready to defend this. But if the bullets start flying, that's when all kinds of other stuff's going to start happening. But the strong men are willing to come up and say, hey, enough's enough. Move along. And you're getting to see pictures of, um, I think it was IG. Somebody said, yeah, the protesters down here are peaceful. And why? Because everybody was standing outside their uh, subdivision and every one of them had a gun. That's right. Unfortunately, I think we've gotten to a point we've pushed we've pushed society to a point where it's almost like violence is all anyone understands. I think everyone lives in a world of internet comments. I think everyone lives in a world where they think they can say what they want or do what they want without somebody ever 
grabbing them by the throat. And, and, and until that happens to them, you know, I think they're kind of oblivious to it. They just, they live in this little fantasy world, a bubble where they think nothing's ever going to hurt them. Nothing's ever going to happen to them. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's twofold because the problem is you never know because each state is different because the, the government can't necessarily regulate each state. So what, whatever this federal rule is can be overturned by the state, blah, 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 blah. And the problem is, is that in one state, somebody breaks in your house, you shoot them. It's okay. And then in another state, somebody breaks in your house, you shoot them, then you go to prison or somebody <clears throat> breaks in your house and, and stumps their toe on your coffee table and then they can sue you. So the, the, the biggest problem with all that is people are afraid to protect themselves because they're afraid of going to prison because nobody wants to go to prison because then nobody's going to protect you. That's one of the most corrupt systems there, there are because all somebody's got to do is, is, is take their money and pay off a guard and the guard sees nothing and you get shanked. So people are afraid to defend anything. And then at the same time, the government's not going to defend you because you can't use military force against civilians, no matter how violent they get. So like the guy yes, uh, that I saw yesterday, somebody tried to light a cop on fire. And one of the other cops, they kind of shielded him. And one of the other cops ran and tried to kick the guy. You can't blow the guy away because he's an unarmed citizen, even though he pretty much used a close quarters Molotov cocktail on a cop. Nobody's going to protect you. So people now are kind of, they're saying, well, you know what? I really don't have a choice because it's either, it's either blow these people out of the back of my house or they do something to me or worse. It, it was, it was funny because. I saw today uh, Tate posted something about how he's he, he's kind of got PTSD when he walks out to his car. Every time he goes, he, he's, he hates parking decks and he hates parking lots because he walks out to his car and this guy tried to stab him in the neck. And people are out there worried about, you know, whether or not, okay, my girlfriend cheated on me. Man, motherfucking men will kill you, man. They'll kill you for nothing. They'll kill you. Go to Brazil. If you go to Brazil, you better be wearing, you better be wearing like, $10 vans because people will kill you for your shoes in Brazil and people don't realize how just how crazy things have gotten right now. And it's, it's twofold in a way, you know, I spoke about the twofold earlier, but it's twofold in a way now that where the, the side that the weak side is attacking and becoming the strong side, the other side doesn't realize how strong they can be because the government's not going to protect them. And then the other side doesn't realize that there are people out there who are going to get fed up and start blowing them away to protect their shit. But nobody's really, the rioters aren't really brave enough and the people protecting their businesses aren't really brave enough, but it's a different level of bravery. So you got one side that's just chicken shit and the other side is just kind of afraid to go to prison. Well, I think a lot of it too is, uh, I can't remember his name that touched on it at the beginning. You know, a lot of times, I think we turn the other cheek when we think, you know, I could throw this guy on the ground and crush his larynx, but I choose not to. So this guy lives another day. And unfortunately he'll probably grow up to have kids who need to be thrown on the ground and have their larynx stomped on. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, yeah. So it perpetuates itself. I really think that a lot of times is, is there is a lack of what you said, um, you know, a strong male force of, of there's no one teaching teaching these boys how to be men. And so they grow up in an effeminate society where, you know, um, 
they for lack of a better fights. term. Yeah, a lot of things, everything is bitchified for yeah. lack of a better term. You know what I mean? That's exactly what it is. You, you know, everybody wants to be nice. And, you know, when I was growing up, if you got into a fight with a kid, he punched you in the head and you went, hey, I don't mess with Billy anymore because he punches a lot harder than I do. You know, but now we don't do that anymore. <laughs> we don't sort it out, you know? Right. <clears throat> well, no, and that's that's a big problem. Um, you know, back to sort back to what, what Jason said, you know, strength is generally suppressed. Weakness is not suppressed, but strength is suppressed twofold. So one, it's suppressed by society or by the government, told, hey, you can't do you know, to to Jason's point, right? If you exert yourself to defend yourself, you end up going to jail. The flip side of that is strong people also suppress themselves yes. because they want to try to, I don't want to say fit into society, right? But no, nobody wants to go to prison, right? I mean, somebody, somebody says something or, or, you know, tries to start something, the, the strong person turns around and walks off because yeah, he knows he can dribble that dude's head off the curb like a basketball, but he also knows what's going to happen. But nobody comes in and suppresses the weak one and goes, hey, man, you know, that, that dude could have killed you three ways to Sunday. You know, his buddies, you know, tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, man, good job. You bitched him out, you know? Well, mm -hmm. and there's the thing on that is it's not just one weak guy against one strong guy. It's 10 weak guys against one strong guy. It's all those weak guys egging the one guy on to go after the strong guy, and the strong guy goes, I know I can take them. But back to I know the consequences, where the weak guys don't understand the consequences of, of their actions, and so they just cheer them up, becomes a mob action, and then we get the crazy riots going on. Most of that stuff would never happen without the mob action, spew, you know, most of those guys are too weak to do anything without the mob. And the mob makes them strong. Sure. It's a mob mentality. I mean, you got policies like up in New York City where they're just letting them back out of jail as soon as they arrest them. Oh, yeah. No the, consequence the, the, for the, the action. Bail laws. Oh, that, that yeah. drives me insane, man. Yeah, there's no consequence for that action. They're still not learning a lesson. Right. Yeah. So I want to bring it back to the peaceful side. <laughs> Good man. I was trying. I was trying. I promise. <laughs> no, I, I think what you're saying, you guys not. said it was great. I was not trying to bring it back. <laughs> I'm the ordained preacher. I should be the one bringing it back. <laughs> it may well. That's I, that's a lot. What I do, I talk to dads about raising kids peacefully and not hitting them, not punishing them, not threatening them, so we can raise stronger, assertive, well balanced, and good men for the future. But it, it makes me think about the deception. Right. When how strong can we really be if we're resorting on levels um, that the weak are right? We're getting hysterical. We're getting angry. We're getting mad. So it makes me think that we always have this this need. We feel that we have to um, arm ourselves from threats. So how could we really be at our full potential when we always have this worry? We have this worry about riots, about mobs, about what weak people are doing. Right? It's like if you go to the gym, you're in a gym working out. You're not worrying about what the weak guys who are benching, you know, just the bar or, you know, the skinny dude on a squat rack. You're, you're focused on what you're doing. You don't worry about the weak. So I think somewhere that ties in where we get distracted by whether it's the government, you know, like 
we said before, you can't go to church or you, you can't go out to dinner with your family, but you can um, go to you know, Costco or wherever, wherever you're allowed to go. And I don't even know. And we get upset by that, right? We let that control us. We let that um, anger us and get mad. And I don't know what the solution is. I just think that the more that we focus and build on ourselves about raising our families, um, you know, in time, our boys will grow. They'll affect policies. They'll affect change. And I think that's a peaceful approach to solving this overbearing and overreaching government, the government that we have. Yeah, and you know, you th the thing about it is, is that you know, bringing it further back to the peaceful side, with the whole toxic masculinity and the, uh, you know, they're they're really trying to to find a reason to suppress testosterone levels in men. And the thing about it is, is that high testosterone men don't are calm. They're they're very calm. They don't act up. They don't throw bottles. They don't light cops on fire. They don't rebel. They don't have a reason to, there's nothing to rebel against. If your testosterone levels are, are healthy and you had a strong father figure in your life, then, you know, and, and a nurturing mother, I'll, I'll say that as well, because I'm, I'm not against, we, we promote, we promote strong father figures. A lot of times we don't promote the, the nurturing mother part of the side of the whole thing, but that's, that, that is also paramount. But if, if you don't have that, I mean, they were, they were right about statistically a lot of the times the kids that act up in school shooters and everything like that are kids that come from broken homes. You know, at the same time, like I came from a broken home. I've never, I never, never wanted to shoot up a school. I hated school. I never wanted to shoot it up. I was bullied and never wanted to shoot anybody. But I also at the same time did have a father in my life. So I don't know how much influence these, these people's fathers have. But I'm pretty sure that the ones who had any, any of the guys that are that are rebellion, uh, rebelling and whatnot, I expect I expect the females to rebel, especially the feminists. I, I get it. But uh, of all these males that are joining into this and joining in with the narrative and not being able to think for themselves, I'm pretty sure one percent or less probably did not have a strong male figure in their life. So let me ask you this, Jason, you, you're using the term rebelling, which I think is interesting. Um, do you think they're rebelling or do you think they're acting out that they're just acting out from a, a less mature uh, emotional standpoint and from a lack of, of self-control, both physical and mental? Yeah, that's actually a very good question because I, I tend to yeah. be the cryptic one of the group. So what I mean by rebelling is that these people are always looking for something to fight against and they're always looking for a virtue signal. They're, they're, they're going to, they're going to stick it to something and they think they're saying, so take the patriarchy, for example, you got a lot of feminists who are acting out against the patriarchy. Well, we don't have a pay, we, we don't have a patriarchy just because we have a male president does not mean we have a patriarchy. Uh, it's that, that word is, is very, very extreme. Maybe if we had a patriarchy, things would be different. I really don't know. But they, what I mean by rebel is they're always finding a thing that doesn't exist and acting out against it. So it's outrage culture. It, it is mm -hmm. outrage culture. So, so, to what, so to what you ask, it's, it's both. But by rebellion, I'm, I'm being more cryptic with that, 
meaning that they're always they're always fighting against an invisible they're fighting an invisible war the war they create in their own minds is what is what I mean by that. But a lot of them are taught to. So oh, sure, they're fed that narrative for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They, I, I grew up in a very conservative family. I mean, I'm a preacher now. There's deep religion in my church or my family. But if you look at my brother who went to a very liberal university, he is now. He will tell you he's a communist. Uh, you know, he's the black sheep of the family away from everybody, and it started his sophomore year of university, and it's just it just gets fed and pumped into him now, and and a lot of it. I don't know how mad I am at these kids running around doing this versus how mad I am at the system that's putting it into these kids. Hmm. I never I thought I about it like that. For that's the interesting. Kids. You know, I feel bad for the kids that are running around. They don't have any guidance. And it is the system that's exploiting them. But it's Absolutely. Off, it's feeding off their rage. See, exploitation, I believe, is the key word here. And not a lot of people realize that. You are being exploited. 100%. And especially, and I, and I don't want to wax political here, but especially in this political climate, you, if there was ever a presidency that was about race, this is the one. You've got, you know, Trump who doesn't want to denounce David Duke or Nazis that come out to support him. And then you've got, you ain't black if you don't vote for Joe Biden. So, you know, I, I think a lot of this too is very much um, generational. I think boomers perpetuate this uh, because it keeps them in power. I mean, if you look at most people who are in power right now, it's the tail end of the boomer generation. And I think, <clears throat> like for me, you know, I have cousins who are biracial. I have nieces and nephews who are biracial. I have a soon-to-be stepson who is biracial. Race is not an issue for me, I promise you. To me, you know, if you're a piece of shit, you're a piece of shit. I don't care what color your skin is. You know, it doesn't take a be, to be black, white, green, purple, polka dot. It, you know, you, that's irrelevant to me. Uh, by the time I get down to, you know, what ethnicity you are, I've already gone through a checklist of things to know whether or not you're a quality person. Um, so I think 100% they're using um, race. We're using... Um, patriarchy we're using feminism we're, we're using this to segregate these people into small groups and pit them against one another and uh because people like that that are outraged are easier to manipulate they're easier to control all right this is a good spot here, here comes the next one this one comes from joe's strength is about survivability by any means necessary Strength is about adaptation, overcoming all that would oppose you, be it physically, mentally, socially, politically, economically, or otherwise. It's about taking the skills you possess and making the best of a bad situation. And when I read this one, when I originally was editing and looking it over, I think everybody, when we start talking strength, gets stuck on that first one of physically. And then there's a small group that will move over to the mental one. If we get into martial arts or into some of the skills or some people, we'll get it into the mentally. And right there is where everybody stops. No one thinks about the strength of the social or political or the economic side, your finances. You know, do you have fuck you money to escape out of the system? You know, do you have the 
um, wherewithal of what's going on politically. And it all ties together just because you can be you can be a massive strong guy and dumb as a box of rocks and have to be <laughs> guided around by your nose and told how to dress and everything. You know, okay, he's physically strong, but at the end of the day, he's not a full, strong, masculine man. You have to be strong in every aspect of this. And this, I, I feel, goes to what we're talking about here. A lot of guys, you know, even in the ones going to university, like Joseph said, his brother, you know, they're getting fed this line. Well, they were given the tools to be strong before they went, but they got fed this line. And well, what about the whole picture? Well, they were weakened in school instead of strengthened. The one place they should have been teaching them worked to make them weaker instead. Mm. <clears throat> well, I think a lot of times, um, you know, people don't, we don't question the narrative. Um, if you look at uh, guys of our generation, which I'm assuming everyone is a generation Xer in this group here. Um, we really were probably the last real generation that were taught how to think critically. We were given, we were given the information, we were given the evidence and we were left to make a decision that doesn't happen anymore. Uh, like my children in Indiana, they had what's called an I step test. And so it, you know, it's, it's basically, um, what's the, what, what does it call it? Where they, they test every, it's like standardized testing. And so I actually had all my kids opt out of this because standardized testing really measures zero. I mean, and, and what they do anymore now is instead of teaching you what to, or how to think, they teach you what to think. They say they teach to the test. Okay. Well, you need to know X, Y, and Z. Memorization is not the same as intelligence. Any monkey can memorize to learn, to, to read something, to analyze it, to come up with your own data, or not data, but uh, intelligence on that data is something altogether different. And I think that is where a lot of young people really are missing that. They're missing the critical part of their thinking. You know, it's, it's groupthink all the time. This is what you should be out, and, it, and that lends itself to back to outrage culture. You should be outraged about this. This is what you should think. And this is why you should be outraged about it. And this is why you should think it. instead of analyzing the information, interpreting the data and going, you know what, this is bullshit or yeah, this is true. I think we lack that a lot. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a great point. Just, you know, we have, or we had up until recently, what were called uh, standards of learning uh, tests in Virginia in the, the primary school system. And, and it was a very, I didn't have to take them, thankfully, but it was a very similar process, right, where the teachers were talking about they had to teach the test rather than teaching their curriculum. Well, sure. if, the test, if the test is worth anything, right, the, and the state's curriculum is worth anything, they should be one and the same. They should be harmonized, right? But they're not. And, and to, to your point about they're being told what to think rather than how to think, you know, if you're not in a, a technical um, program, right, if you're in English or, or uh, in liberal arts or, or whatever to that effect, right, mm. you have to understand the, the teacher's biases and be able to regurgitate that bias um, yes. to, to get a passing 
when, when I was when I was coming out of engineering school, I had to take an exit writing exam, and it was basically just to see if I, you know I took all my English classes <laughs> and, and and could actually write. So, um, the, you're given like two subjects, and um, one of the subjects was violence on TV. So I wrote about violence on TV, and and basically I said, hey, violence on TV isn't a problem as long as you have a well-centered home life and the parents are instilling the difference between reality and fiction in the head of the child. And they understand that what they see on TV isn't real. I failed that test. (laughs) And they told me, you can't graduate until you pass this test. And they recommended that I take remedial English as a senior engineering student. So I scheduled the test. I scheduled the retest the next week. I took a very anodyne subject, which was like the most mem- or, or the um, the the most um, influential TV show in history, and wrote about Monty Python's Flying Circus. And <laughs> I passed one week later without taking any remedial English. Wow! I, I pissed off the proofer. By taking a, cons- a conservative sure, bet on my sure. writing, sure, yeah, I would, I would buy that one hundred percent. I mean, I, I that's that's insane, yeah, because it, it's exactly what you're talking about. It, it's it's you're taking someone's bias and it, what 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 is it they say? I just had this conversation with my cousin. You don't want my opinion. You want your opinion in my voice. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> this is why I'm all about. Yeah, sorry. This is. Um, I, I didn't say sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry for saying sorry. Getting, getting weak here. Um, yeah, fucking weak, sorry, man. Oh, uh, go. Sorry that this you're sorry. is why I am. I used to. I used to shit on homeschooling so bad because I thought it was just a hippie thing, but. It, it shows that, it, okay, so children can't concentrate for seven hours a day to memorize dates and to learn. What you're learning is taking the test. So I've been, a, I've been a fitness professional for 13 years. I have never passed a personal training exam the first time because I don't understand how to take tests. I'm horrible at taking tests. So I had to learn how to take the tests in order to pass them. I was trying to learn how to be a personal trainer, even though I already knew how. I was trying to learn it their way, but it wasn't personal training their way. It was, this is the test our way. So this is the, that, trying to, trying to do that and to maintain my job so I don't lose my job allowed me to realize that Homeschooling is better because basically what homeschooling does is you do a few hours a day of, of, you know, schoolwork that you need to know, you know, math, English, history, blah, 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 blah. You do, you work on your, your talents because children's talents come out early, man. I mean, my musical talent came out when I was four years old. I've been singing since I was four years old. That's what, that's what I should have been working on. I should have been working on, I should have been taking voice lessons. I should have been taking all kinds of stuff at the age of four. Instead, I went to kindergarten. I went to public school. As soon as I got to public school, my grades just completely tanked. 
And this is why I'm such a huge proponent of homeschool because that's teaching the right way. You're, you let the child develop and figure out who they are, what they want to do, what they need to do, what their talents and skills are, instead of learning about when Abe Lincoln got assassinated and when this one established that you can learn that later in life. I didn't give a shit about history until I was like 35. So now I read, now I read about, you know, Peloponnesian war, blah, 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 blah. I didn't care about any of that kind of stuff when I was in school. So there's, there should be no such thing as standardized testing because we have nothing. You can't standardize the thought process of a 10 year old. So this is what happened to me going to school. I got put in all these honors classes because I was passing these tests probably out of luck. Basically what honors classes are is they give you more homework. I didn't want to do that homework and they gave me more. The school system is completely screwed. And now if as, as if it wasn't screwed enough, as you know, you were talking about now, if you, if you write a paper that is supposed to be based on your opinion, a creative writing paper, a creative English paper, anything like that, it's going to get, it's going to get an, a big fat F on it because you didn't say what they wanted you to say. You didn't learn to take the test. It almost yeah, makes you think that the intent of school is not to get you educated. It's not. <laughs> Absolutely the, not. The, no, the, it's, the, yeah, the it's not. They the want you just point. smart enough to get out of school, go to a job, make widgets all day, so you make just enough money to go home, to get up tomorrow, and go make widgets all day. There's no room for critical thinkers anymore. Critical thinkers are a problem. That's right. I mean, look at all of us. We're, we're all dumb <clears throat> as a bag of hammers, man. We all went to school. You know? <laughs> <laughs> all right. We all, you know? I'm going to tag two articles here because I, I want to I shift this thought just a little bit. The first one comes from Joseph's. And one of the lines in there, and, and this is where I'm leaning to, it says, there's going to come a moment in the near future that the only the strong will survive, not physically strong, but mentally and emotionally as well. He tagged those in there, so I, and that's what caught me up, my eye on this, which leads into the start of Scott's. Nature abhors a vacuum, so we're told. When something is taken from the natural world, it is replaced with something else. If we can't reorganize or don't accept the form of replacement. So those two things, we're seeing that firsthand right now, you know, the strong's either going to have to step up or they're going to get crushed by a whole bunch of weak people. <laughs> the whole thing's coming. But this is where I, I want to shift gears because we've talked about, you know, a lot of what the bad and everything else is going on. I want to hear your opinions of to the future. To the guys that are listening to this podcast, you know, what's the next step? Or if you're the weak guy, what do you do to get strong? You know, it's easy. A lot of times there's like, if you're a frail guy, go lift. Well, there's a lot more nuance to it than just that. The physical is easy. You know, you need to eat right, get in shape, start doing that stuff. Fathers going to the younger kids. We've talked about that some of bringing them up right. But I got, this is where I want to do a little bit of a roundtable. What advice can we give to men so they can be strong, that, the, that we can bring up more weak men and make them strong along with us? Instead of just fighting against them all the time, man, this is tough. This is tough. <laughs> I, I think the thing that we have to do is um, we have to embrace the concept of the self-taught polymath, um, and that's that, that's a that's a thread I want to pull on 
independently later on. Um, but I, I think we need to, I think we need to encourage among our, our peers and our friends who maybe aren't at the same level that we are, that we need to embrace curiosity and, and try to become, like I said, a self-taught polymath. I mean, to, to Jason's point, right. I was interested in a bunch of stuff in, in high school and none of it was what they were teaching me in the, in the textbook. And all of the people that I find extremely interesting are self-taught outside of the educational system, right? They, they read books, they do their own research. They, um, you know, they, they, they experiment, they travel, they, they try to broaden their horizon beyond, you know, and grant I'm staring into a phone right now, but they, 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 they raise their eyes, they look at the horizon and they see what's coming and they try to, they try to educate themselves outside of the system. And in addition to that, to bring along the folks like um, Nathan said, who aren't strong, who do need to be bolstered, we need to be willing to become mentors to, to those uh, types of folks and encourage them to be curious, encourage them to continue learning. Okay, great. You've got a bachelor's degree, you've got a doctorate degree, but you can still learn. And if you aren't trying to continue to increase your education or, or become more versed in a multitude of, of different subjects, that's a weakness in and of itself. Well, I, I think so. I, I agree with that. 100%. I mean, if, if, if you're not growing, if you're not learning, you're dying as far as I'm concerned. And, and I pull from everywhere, you know, I mean, I, I read, I mean, I'll read anything, you know, if it, if it's something I'm interested in. Um, and a lot of the stuff that I have learned, um, I've learned from watching, mimicking, reading, and then doing, you know, um, and, some things I've I've become very good at, and some things I realize, hey, you know, maybe this ain't for me. I enjoyed this, but this is definitely not my forte. Um, but uh, I, I would encourage anybody uh, to, if if you know a guy or a handful of guys, and you're like, man, you know, I like what this guy is about or what this guy does. Talk to those guys. Uh, you know, figure out this guy. This guy's a great woodworker. You know, how did he get good at this? Has it something he's just been naturally good at? Or, you know, is it something that he had to, to, to work at? Or um, this guy's a great writer. You know, let's, let's talk to this guy. What, what goes through your head? Explain to me your process. Um, and I think you have to pick and choose from, from the people that you, um, that you learn from. Like, you know, this, this doesn't necessarily work for me, but this little, this little thing that he does here, it works really well for me. And I can apply that to my life. And I think, um, I think a lot of times people are so ingrained in what they do. And this is how I do it. And this is what I do. And this is when I do it. And uh, they don't ever want to deviate from that path. Um, so they, they get stagnant. They become, they become um, in a rut, you know. So I would encourage anybody, you know, to, even if it's something that you don't necessarily agree with, uh, be it politically or uh, culturally or uh, religion, you know, religion through religion, uh, anything, uh, you know, be willing to listen at least. And, and I think a lot of times you learn 
sometimes even if you don't want to, you learn something from from just listening, you know. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, if you've got a friend who, and let I me mean, to you know, to your point about trying things that you might not understand or be interested in, if you've got you know somebody who is good at something that you don't understand and maybe aren't interested in, give it a try. You might learn something, or at least right. you get a better idea of. Um, you know, their process, right? Because you can always, even if you're not into what, it, you know, call it woodworking, right? If you're not into woodworking, if you're a tech guy, you know, you figure out, you know, you have a friend show you how to run a lathe. There might be something in that process that helps you grow somewhere else in your life. Right. I think too, that, that during that process, I think that helps breed um, self-confidence, which I think is a great learning tool. When you realize, hey, I can do this. You know, I'm not the greatest at it, but I'm able. That that opens the door to so many other things. Um, I had a conversation recently with a guy uh, via Instagram, and he was, you know, I, I hate this term. I hate the term alpha. You know, well, you're alpha, and I'm like, I'm not alpha. You know, if I, if I I'm not the biggest guy in the gym. I go to my gym, and there are four or five guys that are bench pressing what I'm squatting. You know, I'm definitely not the alpha in that group. Uh, you know, now I go to the corner of the library in the fiction section, I'm probably the biggest dude there. So yeah, in that aspect, I probably am. Um, but, but what I am all the time is self-confident. Uh, I, I know who I am. I know what I'm about, where I'm going. And I definitely know that there are things that are within my capability. So I'll try anything. I may not get it the first time. I may never get it, but I'm not afraid to try. And I think that is a huge huge impact on your life when you realize, Hey man, I can do this, you know? So you got to try. That's the biggest thing. I think. <clears throat> Joseph, you look like you have something. You're just waiting for that quiet moment. <laughs> no, no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just taking it all in. I'm thinking it's hard for me to, to approach this from a non, um, religious standpoint. Then hit the religious standpoint. Yes, exactly. There's none, no, well, I know how I am. It's open uh, forum. Look, Joseph, well, I'm trying, I'm trying to word, I'm trying to word this for everybody. Cause what I got, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. Uh, um, what I was going to say is, is I think I've talked about in articles before is, is I encourage everyone to pick up a Bible and read it. And it's not necessarily for the, I want to convert you to Christianity, but I do don't get me wrong, but that's not the reason there are so many morals and values in that book alone on what a man should be, what a society itself uh, should be. Um, you know, that one of my verses I give my, my 17 year old all the time, you know, it says in the Bible, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. So, you know, I, I use that to instill discipline and hard work in my son, you know, just as an example. So, from a religious standpoint, I think what someone can do to make themselves mentally stronger is read, whether it's the Bible or whether it's the Quran. I own a Quran. I've read it. There's some really good stuff in there. That's, whether it's Buddhism, whether it's Taoism, it doesn't matter. There's so many foundational uh, truths in every religion around the world that you can bring to yourself to better yourself and better the, the, the community around you. Yeah, there's. If you take the Ten Commandments, if you take the religious parts of the Ten Commandments out, and I can only think of one, which is 
observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. If you remove any religious overtones from the ten from the Ten Commandments, it does not reduce the viability and, and the 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 truth that that's in that particular passage. And I think that can be said for a lot of different religious texts, like you mentioned, the, you know, the, the Quran or anything from Taoism or Buddhism. Um, you know, there are, regardless of what people, uh, what what, regardless of what modern society tries to tell us, there are universal truths, and they're not whoa, hard whoa, to tell. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Um, we're talking about your personal truth, pal. Everybody has their <laughs> personal truth, okay? It's universal. I think we all we all believe in gravity. <laughs> and, she, and she is a cruel mistress. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I don't. I, you know, I, like I say, I I own. I mean, I know that I own. I'm looking at right here. Let's see. I've got, I've got the Quran. I've got King James. I've got Gideon's. I've got a book here that. And tells you how all of the religions are similar and they're different. I mean, like I said, you got to read. That's I, I can't. I, you can't stress that enough either. Is reading. I don't. I don't think people come home. They flop down on the couch. They turn on celebrity death match. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is that they're watching, man, and they and they and they they bust out the bag of ruffles, and that's their day. You know. Um, it, 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 Right. Even if you don't want to really read a religious book, read Plato, read Socrates, read something that's going to strengthen your mind and your thought process. Something that's going to add value what I, to it. What you're talking about, like Plato or Socrates. What I always, when I read stuff like that, I always think, man, I'm pretty smart. And then I get halfway through something, I'm like, man, I'm the dumbest son of a bitch I walked face the earth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these, you these know, guys didn't even have running water and they got more shit on the ball than I'll ever have <laughs> and, and you know there's nothing new there, there's right. the thing everyone thinks there's all these new discoveries and guys have been writing about this stuff for years right as hey and that's my favorite passage in the bible or not my but my favorite book in the bible which they take out is um with uh, ecclesiastes there's nothing new under the sun so Yep. You know, that's why I don't know why they took that out because that's one of my favorite books of the Bible. Ecclesiastes. It's in my Bible. Is it? Which Ecclesiastes one nine? Yep. It says the thing that hath been, it is what shall be, and what shall be done, it shall be done, and there shall be no new thing under the sun. Right. And then what is it? The eye is never full of seeing, nor the ear full of hearing. Right. All right. See, I'm blowing all you guys away, pagans. <laughs> 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 See, you Christians know. need to step their game up, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're right, Jason. They do because, yeah, that, that's for another podcast. That's yeah. Let's not go down that one today. Don't get me started on the fall of the church. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go. We'll go another route. Uh, <laughs> Anthony, what's your taking on all the? On how to men? Advice. Yes. I would say that it definitely would come back down to morals and values. I think a lot of what we're seeing in society <clears throat> is a reflection of a breakdown of the family um, and a, a moving away from ethics and morals. So if we're fathers and we're going to raise our sons or even our daughters, right, we have to be consistent. We have to be, we have to stick to universal principles, right? We, we have to 
be the men that we want our kids to be. So, yes. Right. We, we we can't be using threats and coercion to control them to fit our needs. We need to raise kids who we were saying before on, on knowing what to think, right? We don't want to tell them how to think. And I think as a father, you know, you have an obligation to live with good value within yourself, to take care of yourself, you know, as the first one, to make sure physically and mentally that you're on course, that you're taking care of yourself, you're doing the right things. And these are going to be the examples you show to your family, to your kids. And I think a lot of the rioters, the looters, people that we see that are, are out of control, that are hypersensitive, they don't have a good foundation, right? They're, the influence when they were younger is not there. So they're going out into the world and, you know, it's, it's like codependency. If, if you don't have a, a strong teaching of what a good relationship is, when you go out into the world, you're just going to attach and cling to anybody who gives you any bit of notice, right? Any bit of attention. You're going to say, that's my group. And it's not going to be based on those morals or those values. It's going to be based on just wanting to feel accepted and, and a part of something. So I think as we grow these groups and we talk to good men and we share ideas, it's the best example we can do for our kids growing up for the future. So, Anthony, what's your opinion of the, the value and the importance of consistency in messaging? Um to, to, to children when you're, when they're being raped. As far as what? Uh, just as far as, well, one, as far as a consistency in messaging or, you know, the, the rules are always the rules. You know, there, there's no, um, deviations from the rules for, from a better, from that standpoint, but, but also just being a consistent, presence in their life so consistency in messaging but as well as consistency in presence okay yeah so if you take rules i think as far as rules go there's different age time you know there's different restrictions on age so if you have a young kid you don't want to enforce rules too much because there's a possibility they don't really understand them fully right they might understand the word no or don't do that but are you taking the time to sit down and explain why we don't do that and I think once you have a better understanding of, of what your rules are and why they are, in time, your children will start to understand themselves. So rules won't have to be enforced. It, it'll be almost just something, a consideration that they keep in the back of their mind. Right? It's not, and they're not going to be afraid. A lot of times if kids break rules, we punish. Or if kids don't do what we want, we'll, we'll look for rewards. Right? We'll bribe them. And I think this is the dynamic you see in society where you have this big government who's taken all our money. And if we listen to them, they'll give us, you know, they, what do they take 30% of our income every, every week? And at the end of the year, they give us some crumbs back if we behave, if we comply. Um, the same thing is if, you know, if you walk down a block and you smoke a, um, some weed, they'll throw you in jail. So there's always threats and punishments that are controlling. I think we need a clear understanding that we're, we're capable and we're able to explain to our kids before punishing, before uh, threatening. I don't know if that answered the question. <laughs> yeah, it did. Thank you. You got it. We're coming around. Jason, you haven't hit this one yet. You just added in like I have. So 
I'll, I'll wax poetic for a second, so bear with me. So the thing is, is that we may not be living in the worst time, but we're still living in a trying time. And the thing that people have to remember is that chaos can't win forever. And there's different levels of chaos. And anyone would be crazy to say that what's going on right now, and I'm not just talking about the riots and stuff, but not knowing how to raise your kids is chaotic. Not knowing how to find mentors is chaotic. Trying to go your own way blindly, trying to do the things you're not good at. And, you know, in my case, WordPress, trying to figure out the path that you need to be on without any guidance is really dangerous and destructive, self-destructive. So there's, to tie it all together, there's this, there's this video game. It's called uh, The Last of Us. And um, I played it. I, I didn't play it all the way through. I'm not a, I'm not a huge gamer. I, I play from time to time. But um, I, I like the whole zombie apocalypse concept. But this one was different. And the game didn't, if, if you don't really understand metaphors, really well which sometimes i don't I, I was reading a review about it before it came out and what happens is so getting back to what was said earlier you can't use military force on civilians but that changes if the civilians get so out of hand the military feels that it needs to shut down civilization so without getting too in depth you're trying to escape you're running with your daughter in, in your arms and uh, this, this paramilitary agent says, you know, don't move, don't move, don't move. And he tries to get by and they shoot the girl. She's like 10 years old. So the girl dies in her father's arms and his whole life is just screwed from it. So it flashes, you know, 30 years later, zombie apocalypse has happened and military's taken over. Government's taken over. You got ration cards. You got people who have established tribes, you got the bad guys, the good guys, kind of like that show Walking Dead or whatever. But the thing that stands out the most is that the earth has taken back over. So cars are rusted and you know, no longer usable. Buildings, things are broken. There are vines all over the buildings. And it looks like it looks like beautiful destruction. So what happens is, is that no matter how much chaos happens and how much destruction happens, the earth will redeem itself and get back to normal. I had a, a lot of times I'll, I'll tweet something and somebody will try to get semantic with me because everybody knows everything about everything. And I said something along the lines of men are designed to create, not destroy. And I left it at that because I didn't feel the need to explain myself. And this dude gets up there and wants to argue with me and say, well, sometimes it's necessary to destroy. That's not, that's not what I was getting at. What I was getting at, you can conquer and you can fix and you can reestablish without complete destruction. You can take over an empire without raising it to the ground and enslaving the women and children and whatever else. If people try to destroy everything, they may succeed, 
but life is still going to succeed more. And that's what stood out about this concept to me is that no matter, no matter what you saw in, in, in this game, as you're, as you're playing through it, everything were flowers everywhere. There was, there was a giraffe at one point. I don't know the fuck a giraffe got in there. I guess they just did it for shock value. But the, the good is going to outweigh the bad. And that, and that has religious connotations to it as well. I think getting back to, you know, what Joseph said and because I've, I've come around a lot. I don't discuss my religion a lot. I really don't know what it is. It's uh, it's not really standard. It's more of a spiritual thing, but back when I was something akin to an atheist, I thought, you know, you don't need, you don't need religion to have morals and you don't, but it helps. It helps you use them in conjunction. It's like when you use a third party software to enhance a sales navigator. You don't need the third-party software, but it helps. So having that, if you don't have religion, which religion can get dogmatic and have a lot of propaganda in it, while you may not need something religious specifically, you can be, you know, um, a lot of our organized religions, you kind of have to have, you know, this God or that God and this aspect and that and this rule and that rule. But I think everybody needs some kind of spirituality in their life. I think they need some kind of guidance in their life. If you feel lost, you need to reach out to someone. If you, the, the reason fraternity of excellence and barbarian rhetoric and things like that exist is to help other men. I would also say to women, vet men better. Promiscuity is very destructive for both men and women. I know there's a lot of guys in the manosphere that pretty much say that men can be promiscuous. It doesn't destroy them. Women, it does. I disagree. It destroys both. You need to be able to cultivate uh, some kind of air of, of, of fidelity and, and loyalty and establishment because it creates a stronger bond. If you're just out there screwing anything and everything, it just, it just ruins everything. and you don't, you don't get a chance to find out what's really there. So women need to vet men better and men need to vet women better. If you're going to establish a family, make sure you do it right. Make sure you raise your sons right. Uh, you, ne- you need to raise them strong. You need to raise them in a way that cultivates who they are, not what you feel and what society feels they need to be. You need to learn basic survival skills. You need to learn self-defense. You need to learn how to cultivate your physical, mental, and emotional and spiritual strengths all four of them, because if one's lacking, everything's going to lack. Because when chaos finally destroys itself, there's going to be a new level of order. But that order, if not contained, is going to be chaotic, if that makes sense. There's a lot of shit. There's a lot of shit. There was. You went chaotic, but it it was good. (laughs) It was almost rant level. I'm just Kermit (laughs) sipping my tea. (laughs) <laughs> yes, you are. All right. Well, we've been going a little over, what, hour and 15 here. Mm-hmm. Let's hit closing thoughts. If you have any, if you don't, either or are good. We, we won't go, we won't wax too long today. So if you got any closing thoughts, um, let, let's hear them and we'll go from there. So to go to what Jason said a minute ago, you know, he's he's got a great point where he said, you know, we're not living in the worst time. We're living in, but we are living in a trying time. It's also important to remember that while we're not living in the best time, we're also living in a good time. 
Um, you know, we've talked a lot about the challenges behind you know, living as, as strong men and, and leading other people. Um, and it's very easy to look at, you know, we've had a lot of discussions that are somewhat dark today. Um, and I, I don't think we do justice to us saying that still one time. Hold on, alive. Scott. Um, yeah. He's driving down the road, people. We get to see him. He was. You got onto a good talk there. I think you're back. All right. Maybe. Start from the yeah, top. there we go. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, so we, like I said, you know, we, we've, we've had a lot of dark conversations today, uh, but we'd be a disservice to not remember that we live in a pretty amazing time. There's a lot of opportunity. Um, we need to do a better job of, of cultivating our and, and our trust. And we're and, losing And them. realize that there is still good in the world and we can make a positive impact. I got that part. I got that part too. <laughs> I got the end, yeah. Yeah, we're losing you there, Scott. So I'll, I'll expand on that. Okay, Anthony, perfect. I think that's, from what I got from him, I think it's real important, uh, your mindset, right? Every day we need to believe in our mission and what we're doing. We need to be certain, not certain, but we need to be pretty sure the direction we're going. And why it's important, I'm going to bring it back to the family again, is our children, our wife, everybody in our family needs to see us that we are confident, right? What we're doing, even though the world's burning down, there's riots, there's bad things. This is the greatest time to live, right? Right now, where we are, there's no greater time that we can be alive because we're living it right now. And, you know, for a long time with me, working at my job, I used to come home miserable and I was mad at the world and I didn't like the position I was in. And I'm still in the same position, but I'm much better now because I've, I've accepted where I'm at and where I have to go and that I have to do tough things and difficult things for me to get better. And as I transition down this, it's been tremendous growth in my family, my kids, my wife, everybody's following because I'm leading. And I think it's important to have that mindset that we will, you know, Jason was saying before that throughout history, good has always conquered evil. There has never been a time. That's why we're here. That's why we're having this discussion. So we have to really believe that. We have to believe that what we're doing is important. The conversations we're having, the light that we're bringing to the darkness is something that is is real and it's it's going to have big change in the world. I would like to say to all my fellow Christians, because I've been seeing it a lot lately, this is not the end of the world. This is not the end of days. Amen. <laughs> just, just, just stop. This is a pattern that repeats itself throughout history. Just stop. You know, it's that is a solid point, Joseph. Uh, um, I'm not in those circles like I used to be, but I, I'm still hearing comments. Here it comes. Revelations is coming. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Not quite there yet. I don't see it, so I, I agree. No, it's it's going to get better. It may take twenty years, but this is this isn't permanent. So, trust me when the, when the sky splits back like a scroll, then we'll talk about the the end of days. But, days. I like that. That that's um, a good point. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I'm going to make twenty sky. years of this shit. 
<laughs> you mean both brother <laughs> uh, all right we'll, we'll wrap it up here uh thanks everybody for coming anthony scott joe joseph jason myself nathan uh, appreciate all listening to the first group chat for barbarian rhetoric everybody have a great day all right